Welcome to System B2B Marketing Podcast, hosted by Andre Zinkovich. Every week with B2B marketing professionals, we dive deeply into topics ranging from creating an effective marketing strategy to lead generation methods. Our goal is to help B2B marketers and founders increase pipeline, scale revenue, and customer growth with system marketing. Learn more at getlido.com. Welcome to episode 32 of the Full Funnel B2B Marketing Podcast. And we are back with our CEO series. And today's guest is Karl van der Heiden, the founder and the CCO of Virteo. Virteo is an online platform allowing credit managers of large corporations to work directly with lawyers, court bailiffs, and recovery agencies in an efficient, transparent, and compliant process. Carl has a strong background in corporate business development and sales, fundraising and change management, and is a passionate paraglider. Welcome, Carl. Thank you, Vlad. <laughs> it's awesome to have you. Um, one thing that I really found fascinating about your company, Carl, about Virteo is, and about your work there is that you managed to basically crack a, a double difficult, doubly dip, difficult problem. Uh, on the one hand, you have to grow a double-sided market, which is in itself a very difficult thing. Mm-hmm. And one part of that market are corporate clients and closing corporate clients has its own challenges, of course. So I wonder what came first for you, chicken or the egg? What I mean is how did you start and how the role of marketing and business development evolved over the years? Okay, well, well I think actually the... the egg was first in the evolution of life but uh, but it was not a chicken egg i think but um anyway as as, as you mentioned we, we we have a double-sided market with, with corporates on one side and and service providers on, on the other side and we are in the middle as, as a facilitating platform and we get paid by the service provider side so from our perspective we wanted to target corporates and to advocate the use of Victor with them but in order to convince them we needed at least some service providers in our community. So we needed to to tackle one side first. So we actually started to target service providers being lawyers and and core bailiffs bailiffs and so on. And we targeted first the ones that we thought that were innovators and that wanted to buy in on a a possible future success uh, of of, of Virteo. And uh, and also some service providers that that were looking for solutions to get more clients and, and they thought that Virteo might help them to, to get more uh, customers. And also, to be honest, we also worked with what we could call conditional commitments from the service provider side. So, so that means that we explain them the, the concept to them and they will say, uh, yeah, well, we will work with you if a customer, so a corporate uh, asks, asks for, it, for, uh, for that. So then we said, well, so we can mention you at the, at the corporate side that you agree to work with us if they ask it. Yes, 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 you can. And so that allowed us to, to create some kind of footprint on the service provider side, even if partially conditional. Uh, but it allowed us to, to have enough to have a story that we could tell to, to uh, corporates. So then we started to target corporates with that uh, story. And once we could get a couple of them convinced uh, that was enough to get the ball rolling. Yeah? So we, we had a couple of corporates 
that allowed us in turn to convince even more of these early adopter uh, service providers, which in turn helped us to, to get the story stronger on the corporate uh, side. So it was really a balancing act, first trying to convince a couple of service providers and then use that um, to, to make some wins on the other side uh, on the other side and use that again on the opposite side. And, and throughout that evolution, as you went from, let's say, convincing the first partners and you had to probably do a lot of those things like one-on-one, -on -one, how did the role of marketing and business development evolve? Like, how did you see it evolve over time? In, 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 in the beginning, um, it, 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 it was really a startup uh, approach. So, so in the beginning, it was a very individualized uh, approach. And as we evolved, we spent much more time to, to content, to creating content and to be a thought leader in uh, the activity where we were uh, uh, working. So, um, but that only came when we were evolving from startup to scale up uh, level. Okay, makes sense. And uh, you mentioned one in word, uh, balance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with having the two sides, and I, I wonder what the balance reflects and how that balance reflects in your team. What, in your opinion, would be an ideal team structure for growing a double-sided market like Virteo, where one side is the corporate clients and the other, like, uh, you have the service providers? Yeah, correct. So, so, so that, that double-sided market... With, with corporates on one side and, and entrepreneurs actually smaller B2B uh, uh, companies on the other side that that structure needs to reflect in our team. So we need people that are uh, able to talk to entrepreneurs actually like like lawyers and core beliefs. These, these are really very, these are individuals uh, with their own uh, small company. Uh, and we need people to, that are able to talk to, to those kind of people. But we also need people that are able to talk uh, to a C-level executive from a large corporate or, or to inspire on, on some kind of fintech event or seminar um, and to convince, convince corporates and, and also investors. Um, and our team reflects that uh, diversity. We, we, have, we do have people with financial or legal backgrounds and, and we also have people that used to have their feet on the, on the floor and, and manage debt collection files at a lawyer or, or bailiff uh, office. So that, that uh, diversity is really reflected in our team. Okay, makes a lot of sense. And uh, I remember that during our previous chat, you mentioned what you called individualized campaigns and that that mm -hmm. worked really well for you for enterprise clients. Could you maybe for our listeners just describe your process there? Like how did you approach them and what, what, did, what does that mean for you, these individual campaigns? Yeah, I, I think that question came actually in the in the context of how we deal with with the COVID nineteen impact on our sales processes, uh, because before that uh, a good part of our leads came from events and, and seminars like like fintech or legal tech uh, events where we presented uh, ourselves and, and we networked. Um, that of course is now very difficult. Uh, events are cancelled or, or they shift to an online format, which is not quite the same from a networking uh, perspective. Um, and many other companies reacted to, to that problem by increasing, we believe, by increasing their outbound marketing uh, efforts. And, and the feeling that we have is that people really now are, are spammed to that by, by these increased efforts. So everybody's turning to that. Um, and that just, just didn't seem effective for us to go, to go that way. So 
instead we, we chose for, for a very, very quite old fashioned uh, approach, which is to, to invest in, in individualizing very much uh, our approach. Um, that means that we, we, we choose very carefully what company and what person we, we, we want to target. We do as much background research as, as we possibly can. And we try to find connections with that person and, and with the situation they might be in. And, and that, if we do that work well, that results in a very to the point approach. So, so like we, we can, I can send an email or, or a call and saying, hi, John, I'm, I'm Carol, I'm, I'm the founder of Viteo and I'm calling you because I learned that you're dealing with unpaid claims in, in this or that way. And that got my attention because we did a project with one of your peers in your sector that were applying a similar approach. And with our help, they, they, they increased their result, uh, recovery result by that much percent and they had 50% less legal procedures. So I thought, well, that might also work for you. And, and I asked around and maybe, I don't know, uh, Jeff, some other relation uh, that I have pointed uh, me to you. So can we talk for half an hour about this? So a very individualized approach and, and really pinpointing the person that we need and, and trying to approach that person with very tangible, uh, a very tangible proposal. Makes a lot and, of sense. Yeah, it, it's, it's an old old fashioned way of working, uh, quite labor intensive in preparation, but for us now it works great. I think you're underestimating uh, what you're doing. And there are a lot of talks nowadays about account based marketing, etc. Mm -hmm. I think you nailed the, the, uh, the approach 100%. Uh, like you said, like focusing on a very, very narrow target. Yeah. researching the accounts, approaching them in a personal level in the individualized way. I think you're doing a, an awesome job. And what do you think or what did you experience at, let's say, some of the pitfalls or challenges? If somebody else would like to try to follow that approach, what should they be careful about? Well, I, th I think, I think the, the, the biggest challenge, in my opinion, is that it's, it's not scalable. It, you can, it's very difficult to scale. Because it's it's just because it's so labor intensive, so it's and, and it needs specific knowledge. So it's very difficult to scale this this approach. And I think it only works if you if you have a limited amount of, of target uh, context. So if you are in, in B two B and in, in investment goods or something like that, it it, it, it works well. But if I, th I think it it's much more difficult if 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 you're in consumables or something, or if you you cannot very well specify the persona that 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 you need to uh, approach and i think it's very difficult and that's in my opinion the, the the challenge and possibly the pitfall okay so basically you really need to know who your let's say ideal customer is yeah, yeah exactly it. no i love it i love it um there was another thing that that we spoke about and actually earlier this week i spoke to omar mohut and uh -huh. he managed himself like from his experience that the biggest challenge he observed observed with b2b companies is that transition from going from let's say individual successful activities and experiments that are normally carried out by the founders and then turning that into a, a machine, let's say, that can be run by mm -hmm. the sales team and it can scale also internationally. And I know that you worked hard on this. I think you called it industrialization of sales. And I'm really so curious to know what, uh, like what are the key actions, for example, that you took to prepare sales uh, and industrialize the process? Yeah, well, well I, 
first of all, I think Omar is, is, is absolutely right, of course, in, in, in saying this. And, and I think we, he and, and, and I too, we, we see that in a lot of startups. Uh, and it also applies to, to us, to Virteo. The, the, the founders are, are, are doing something, they have an idea and they try to sell that in, in various ways that sometimes works. They have some customers and, and there they are. Uh, but but in order to scale, it, it needs to be replicable. They, and for that, they need a, a machine, as Omar calls it. And making that machine is a big challenge. And, and I think some very promising startups never get past that that point. And so to do it, and, and that's also what we are trying, trying to do now, is uh, I, I think you need to be very radical on a couple of points. And one of these points is... Um, and it's in random order. Uh, one of these points is that, that you need to box the offer. You need really to box the offer. And very often, if you have an idea in startup modus, you think, well, we will propose this and that. And, and if the customers ask this, then we will adapt a little bit. That's not possible in an in industrialized uh, sales modus. So the offer needs to be well defined in all aspects. What is the price? What is the onboarding process? What is the lead time? Um, what can the customer expect and spe specifically what does the sales need to do in order to obtain the deal what, what does it need to do very tangible in a very tangible way to close the deal he needs a, a paper and he needs to be able to to show it to the customer and say sign here and the deal is closed if you, if you cannot define those elements in a couple of pages uh, and if there still are some some it depends uh, things then that should be the first uh, issue, I think, to, to solve. It's, it's better to reduce the scope of the offer and to, to, to scope it to a very precise um, uh, customer target and, and to make it sharper than to try to include all kinds of situations that makes life uh, for, for sales very difficult and, and impossible to industrialize. So that, that's, I think, the, the, the first element, boxing the offer. Um, another element is, is the team. A startup team is not a scale-up team. Um, I've been in several startups, and, and this is a lesson I've learned uh, a couple of times. A startup team is not a, st a scale-up team. Um, and that also applies even for the founders. Uh, also in our case, I, I probably was the right person to bring this company from, from idea, from zero, to a VC-backed scale-up with, with over 1 million turnover. But I'm convinced that I'm not the best person for the next stage. So. I continue to have a role, but someone else needs to step in to drive this industrialization and to think from, from, from a distance from, okay, how does this process uh, need to, to work? How can we optimize it? And how can we make it scalable and replicable? Um, and in many cases, the, the, the people that were involved in, in the startup, sadly, uh, maybe in one way, are, are probably not the, the, the best persons to, to drive that industrialization. So I think those two elements, and that's what we are doing as Virteo now, uh, boxing the offer and also reshaping our team uh, with people that also have an international mindset, um, uh, of course. But I find this very interesting what you said. You said basically you need to focus on two sides. You need to focus your target and you need to focus your offer. And what I see in a lot of scale-ups and, and startups, I see that a lot of people have difficulty because it feels like you're losing out because you're making choices. It feels like you're missing out on your opportunities. So what would you say to them? It, it, it also, also always feels like losing. Yeah, choosing feels like, like losing, but actually it is, it is not. Uh, if you don't focus, you, you lose an, an, a huge amount of energy 
uh, to things that that don't really matter. It's it's you need really to focus uh, on on getting a sharply defined product and a sharply defined um, uh, target customer uh, audience, and then you will find that this is the most effective way. Although it, it might give you the impression that you lose because you exclude some hypothetical situations, but in reality, um, you can only win by, by uh, applying better focus. I love it. Thank you so much. I think you nailed it. Now, maybe just to try to turn the topic around because uh, a lot of our listeners are trying to sell their products and services like yourself to B2B executives. And you being a B2B executive yourself <laughs> have also had that experience in purchasing products. And my question is like, to, to maybe discuss it from the perspective of a CEO buyer. So when somebody is coming and selling expensive, complex product or a service to you, uh, how does your decision-making process look like? Okay. Um, well, I, I, I try to be, to be selective in, 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 in the offers that I, I, I look at uh, because, uh, of course, as, as being a CEO or an executive, you, you get a lot of, uh, offers uh, all the time, so you need to be uh, selective, and at the same time, you you need to stay open for things that might be really of interest uh, for you. So it's it's also about finding a balance in that. So if I think a, a, a certain offer is, is might be worthwhile, I look at the website and I try to understand the offer before I accept a, a meeting or a call. I I don't really like receiving cold calls. Um, it's 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 often intrusive and, and or an interrupt. It does not mean that it never works. Huh? If, also with me, it, sometimes it works if you uh, get me on a good moment. It it might uh, might more work. But personally, I, I prefer a short email with with clear and tangible uh, information. And then if it's an offer that interests me, I I, I will reach out and I, I will check the website and I will contact the the, uh, the sales guy. Uh, to get uh, to get more um, more information, and, and then, also what I do is I, I very often I ask around. Uh, I use my network actually. If it, if it's an important decision and it's maybe I don't know a website builder or or uh, a growth hacker or something, I will try to talk to people that have worked with these same people and and uh, ask them about their experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And. Uh... What, what are some of the things, let's say, that you find important, some criteria that you look for in a, in a vendor? Um, I would say, and, and, and I will answer this maybe in a general question, because now I'm in, I'm in a startup environment, but I also worked uh, for companies that, that employed 100,000 people. Um, so, so I think one important element is, is you need some kind of matching between the vendor um and 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 uh and customer um so there needs to be a compatibility uh, i don't want to be the biggest customer uh of a, uh, a company um, and i don't want to be the smallest customer of a company either so i need some importance um, but i don't want that uh, a supplier entirely depends on me either so I, that that's one element to to check, and then of course uh, some 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 references. I personally feel also that the DNA of a company 
uh, and the values uh, that the company uh, shows are, are quite important. Okay. And you mentioned that you advise with your network, you, you're trying to ask other people. And I assume also, also, of course, when you're buying something for the company, then there will be other people in the company uh, who course, are involved. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, how, how does that process look like inside the company when you're making a decision, when you're like evaluating different options? What influences your, your final decision, let's say, the most? I, if, whenever possible, I try to put the decision, uh, I try to empower people within our company to, to take decisions. And that applies to vendors, to, to, to offers, but, but also to other things. But so also to, to uh, the choice of a, a supplier. Um, so I will, I will uh, nearly almost uh, submit such a decision to, to the management team or, or something like that. Okay, makes a lot of sense. So thank you very much. I think this was like a unique perspective to learn about the way that you uh, as a buyer think. And uh, I think you also nailed the topic about double-sided market individual campaigns. I think you underestimate your approach there. I think you're doing a very good job. Thank you so much for your input. You're welcome. And uh, uh, much success. Thank you very much, Pat. Same to you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it and want to learn more about system B2B marketing, check out our free email course at getlido.com slash SM. You'll learn the eight reasons of ineffective B2B marketing and how to fix them how to go from marketing chaos to the system marketing and create a steady flow of quality leads. Five questions that will let you know whether you'd give your marketer a bonus or fire him. The problem of RID leads and why you are missing 97% of high quality B2B leads. Why you have to dump to acquire customers. Enroll in a free course at getlido.com slash SM. See you in the next episode.